The Bible tells the stories of men and women who demonstrate great faith and virtue, but also of many who embrace wickedness and deceit. Over the next five weeks, we're going to discuss some of the Bible's most infamous villains. How can we guard against resembling these people, and how can we protect ourselves from the influences of those following in their footsteps today? If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello and welcome back to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to continue in our theme from over the past few weeks as we've been looking at villains in Scripture. So some of the most infamous people that Scripture records for us. And today we're going to be looking at really two characters in Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab served as king of Israel during the time period of the divided kingdom and the majority of his story is contained in 1 Kings, really beginning in chapter 16 and progressing on through there. And really, as you look at the kings during this time period, we're probably given more information about Ahab than we are a lot of the other kings. Certainly, there are some that we're given a great deal of information about, but Ahab's story really spans uh, several chapters. He was king for 22 years, we're told. And it's during his reign as king that Elijah was prophesying. And so many of the events that are contained within the story of Elijah pertain to Ahab. And then, of course, his wife, Jezebel, who even the name alone just conjures up images of an evil and wicked woman. And that is precisely who she was. And we're going to talk about some of the things that each of them did and just how wickedness really dominates their story. We're, we're told in a very, a very simple way early on in the story of Ahab in Second Kings chapter or First Kings chapter sixteen and verse thirty that he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but it didn't stop there. It was he did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all before him, and so that just tells you just the level of wickedness that Ahab rose to. This was a man who not only brought in idol worship but built temples to these idols that dominated really the entire region there in the northern kingdom of Israel. And so it's sad to see the damage that he did um, as he reigned there. We're going to talk about certainly the, the punishment that not just he experienced, not just his wife experienced, but his children as well. They, they were wrapped up in this. I mean, there were consequences that lasted generations as a result of Ahab's wickedness. And so we're going to talk about some of those things today. And we'll start kind of at the early stages of his reign as king and some of his interactions with Elijah. But maybe just, Jeremy, as we start, maybe what were some of the just big takeaways? When we dive into some of the specific stories, obviously when we get into Elijah, the story of the drought and the story of what happens at Mount Carmel and and then Jezebel trying to kill him. Those are the those are the stories that seem to to dominate Ahab. But you know, just from a big picture perspective, I and mean, what were some of the big takeaways that you had as you looked at these two individuals? I think one of the things that kind of struck me pretty early on 
is just how interesting it is that uh, Scripture ties them together so often. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't see that, certainly through this section of the Bible when you're talking about all the kings, whether from Israel or from Judah, there's jumping back and forth, you know, here during the midst of the divided kingdom where, you know, their story is contained in First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, and you kind of have that bouncing back and forth. But rarely do you get... You know, the the man, the king, and his wife talked about so much. But they are tied together so intricately. You made mention of 1 Kings, you know, chapter 16, when he's kind of introduced to us there in verse 30. And the very next verse there in verse 31, where Jezebel comes on the scene, and it really, it it almost accentuates that this is bad decision number one, right? (laughs) This is of all of the evil things that he did, and it was more than anybody else before him. Bad decision number one is to take this non-Israel, Israelite woman, and that's yep. what she was, yep. and, and to you know attach himself to her. And then at the very end of that, what is that next verse? In verse thirty-one, when we're introduced to Jezebel, it, it closes. He went and served the Baals and and worshipped them. So that that is you know from the very outset. But it is them tied together that I found so interesting. You know, uh, one other kind of phrase that kind of comes at the end of their story that showcased that that I hadn't really noticed before is at the end of Ahab's life you know you always get the you know he has died and now his son is going to mm-hmm. take uh, the the reign and that's certainly what happens Ahab dies and his son Ahaziah is going to be king at the very end of the book of 1 Kings of 1 Kings chapter 22 there's a really interesting phrase. You always, we've already read it here. You know that this is the, you know, kind of the spiritual evaluation of of Ahab and what he was all about. You get that with a lot of the kings, and then you get that with Ahaziah. First Kings chapter twenty-two and verse fifty-two. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother. And in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Jeroboam, is he, he's tossed under the bus with right. nearly everybody. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you get, even here, it, it is the son, the sins of the father mm. and of the mother. In Second Kings, the very beginning of Second Kings, Ahaziah, he dies uh, fairly quickly. He has no son. Uh, so his brother, Jehoram, will be king, which is another Ahab son. Mm-hmm. And you get the exact same phrases used in Second Kings talking about Jehoram, that it is the sins of his father and of his mother. Yeah. And so you have these two characters, as wicked as they were, intricately tied together. And now we are deep into the book of Second Kings, and that showcases that together as husbands and w- husband and wife, not just the destruction of their own children, but I mean, a, every person that came in contact with mm-hmm. them, whether it be Elijah, as right. I know we'll talk about, whether that be Naboth, as we will, I'm sure, talk about, anyone that came in the wake of these two were destroyed, and ultimately they destroyed everything around them. Yeah, I mean, it's really, in a lot of ways, it's a commentary on just how strong that marriage bond is in that your best and worst mm. characteristics are going to rub off on your spouse. And and certainly when we talk about Ahab and Jezebel, pretty much all we see are the negative characteristics. But it's almost as if when they were put together, those were just accentuated. And, and the wickedness and the evil that each of them brought to the marriage was then magnified as a couple. And I think, you know, we see that with certainly in the, the stories that are contained here with the, the interactions with Elijah, 
but we also are given indication that, I mean, Jezebel is responsible for numerous murders Mm -hmm. and she's slaughtering prophets. She's having Naboth killed. She's trying to kill Elijah. She, she is very comfortable with murder. Ahab, very comfortable with death, with lying, with deceit. Uh, We're told on multiple occasions, and this phrase shows up in the verse you were just referencing there in uh, 1 Kings chapter 22, and also shows up earlier in the story, that uh, he was somebody who provoked the Lord to anger. You almost get this picture of just outright defiance, like you're just daring God in some way. And I think that's a good way of describing kind of what we see with Ahab. He's not just evil, but he is outspokenly so. He, <laughs> right. he he wants to make it known how wicked and evil and defiant he is towards the God, towards God, and so he 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 erects altars and temples to these idols. He's not simply condoning worship; he is now promoting it and actively taking part in it. And so he he really is just provoking God and, and defiant towards him. And then and Jezebel is just stoking that fire, and together they just create this team of evil that is just sad to witness how the story unfolds. Because ultimately all of this is going to end with both of them dying. Uh, Ahab in battle, Jezebel in a very gruesome way that was mm-hmm. prophesied about. And it's just sad to see how their story unfolds. But when you look at what's said about them, this is this is what evil leads to. And when we surround ourselves with evil and wickedness, then those negative characteristics are just going to continue to pile up in our lives, and it's just going to dominate who we are. And that, that's what was happening here. And I think even with the story with Elijah early on is Elijah is going to bring drought upon the land as a way of, of punishing some of the wickedness that Ahab is taking part in. That's going to lead us into what takes place on Mount Carmel and those types of things. Elijah is someone, obviously a prophet of God, who is trying to do his part to to talk some sense into Ahab and trying to to bring him around. But we just see every time, it's like talking to a brick wall, it seems. There's just no getting through to this guy. And just ultimately what ends up happening is, is Jezebel and Ahab, they just try and kill him. They just try and shut him up. There's no talking to him. There's no reasoning with these people. It's really a sad indication of what surrounding yourself with wickedness and just embracing a wicked lifestyle leads to. Yeah, and you know, one other thing that kind of stood out to me in this story, certainly as you start to read, you know, through, uh, the, you know, what happens on Mount Carmel with with uh, Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel and, and all of the prophets of Baal. And, you know, it, it, it reminds us the, the dangers of wicked or bad leadership mm-hmm. and, and how far that can take people yep. is that so I mean, we sort of kind of hit on this a little bit last week when we talked about Pharaoh who certainly was a leader but on a much larger scale that we can see is you have a leader who's going to live a life of wickedness and because of the position of leadership that he's in now people are just following yep. right the people are following and, and you know, listen, people got to make their own decision for sure. Elijah was making his own decision. Mm-hmm. God lets him know there are there are others in the land who are, are making their own decision and going against Ahab. But I mean, the vast majority of the people of Israel right now are following what Ahab is, is leading them to. Yep. I mean, so much to the point that Elijah, he thinks he's 
He, he's the only one, right? Yeah. And, and even though he, he isn't, that, that feeling is still in the land, right? That no one, no mm-hmm. one is following God. Everyone is following Ahab. And so, you know, for those of us in leadership roles and in some capacity, I mean, we're all in some sort of leadership role. It, it should give us, you know, a little bit of reservation, a, a little bit of soberness to think about the people who we are mm-hmm. leading and where we are leading them to. And so with Ahab and Jezebel, they were certainly leaders, but they are leading the nation to absolute destruction. And we see it unfold. I mean, we see it as the stories and the kings unfold. We see that's exactly where it ends up. And as we've seen time and time before, it seems, is this certainly isn't the first wicked or evil leader that Israel has had, and it won't be the last but, but as we've seen before, God will bring punishment upon the people. He'll, he will not let wickedness go unpunished. But yet at the same time, we do see God still protecting his people in some capacity because he, he is still going to be faithful to his promises. And we see that unfold in chapter 20 as he's going to, to lead them to victory in some capacity there. He, he's going to protect his people and he's going to remain faithful to his promises even when wickedness dominates the land as it is at this point in time. And I think that is a testimony to God's faithfulness. And that, I think that's one of the big lessons that, that I take away from, from this story and really from many of the stories when we talk about some of these villains and the role that they played, as powerful as they may have been and as evil as they may have been, they were never going to be successful at defeating God and defeating his people. It was never going to happen. God would not allow it. He is right. always going to be faithful to his promises and to his people. And that, that gives me great comfort today, knowing that as God's child, as one of his people, I will be protected. He's, he has won the battle. He's won the victory. I am his. I'm on the winning team. There, there's comfort to be taken in that even when we see wickedness dominate the world around us. And it certainly is dominating the world in a lot of ways today. There are, are wicked leaders around the world and a lot of wicked people around the world. And sometimes we can look up and we think, man, it just seems like they're winning. It seems like they're everywhere. But the reality of the situation is that God has already secured the victory. And if I'm one of his children, I know that he's going to protect me. And I think Elijah had to learn that lesson. That's one of the things, as, as you get into chapter 19, we're told that Jezebel was intent on killing him. I mean, she was sending people out looking for him mm-hmm. everywhere. She wanted him dead. Well, God still had work for Elijah to do, and so God was going to take care of Elijah. Elijah had to learn that lesson because he was scared, right? Uh, understandably so. He needed to learn and be reminded of the fact that God's going to be faithful to his promises, and he's going to protect you in this situation. And it's a, it's a lesson that I think is important for us to remember, too, that certainly the circumstances will be different than what we read about here, but, but God has made promises to his people, and he's faithful to those promises, and I can take a lot of comfort in that even when I see the wickedness that abounds in the world. Yeah, I mean, even to build on that a little bit more, you know, it, it's, you, know you think about Jezebel and, you know, specifically the, kind of the, the setup to what takes place on Mount Carmel in First Kings chapter 18. You know, a lot of times we'll think about Naboth and that story, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that here in a moment. But, you know, that's a very specific, it's a very specific story that we can get our hands around. But sometimes we miss a little bit of, you know, at the very beginning of, of First Kings chapter 18. And, and almost to your point, Jezebel is, she's actively trying to stamp out 
uh, Jehovah's followers. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is actively trying to eliminate them completely. And so at the very outset of this, you know, 1 Kings 18, kind of, again, the setup to what takes place on on Mount Carmel, we find out that that Jezebel has massacred. I mean, I use the New King James. That's Mm -hmm. the word that's used. Yeah. She has massacred the prophets of God. Now, Obadiah, um, he has kind of stolen away a few of them mm-hmm. and hidden them, you know, in a cave. But, you know, she's actively trying to stamp out, you know, Jehovah's followers. And, and maybe from a distance, you, you would look at that and say, well, man, she has done the job, right? Yeah. But, it, it, you know, God doesn't, he doesn't need many, right? Doesn't need mm-hmm. many for victory. He has yeah. Elijah. One, one man, you know, on Mount Carmel and an incredible victory is scored. But, you know, even in that kind of very general statement about Jezebel, but, uh, you know, to your point, she wasn't beyond murder. She wasn't beyond, you know, uh, actively uh, just taking the life of the people for her own gain or if that's just what she wanted to do. And so you get this picture of a woman who massacres however many prophets of God just because she wants all of the power, not some of the power or most of the power, but all of the power. And at the end of that chapter, when she makes a threat on Elijah's life, you better believe he took that serious because she has already showed herself to have no trouble killing. And absolutely, Elijah knew that. He he certainly did. And that was, you know, you've referenced a couple times the story of Naboth that's contained in chapter 21. And and she really demonstrates just how easy Mm -hmm. that comes to her at this point in her life. She, She does not hesitate one second to have this guy killed. Now, the story just briefly contained in chapter 21, Ahab sees a vineyard that he wants. He's king, and to your point that you made just a second ago, as king, he can have pretty much anything he wants. He, he is power-hungry, and he if he wants it, he's going to find a way to take it. But in this situation, Naboth says, no, you can't have it. It's, it's mine. It's an inheritance that I, I was given. I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to sell it to you. You can't have it. Well, Ahab just turns into a little child and throws oh a fit. He lays down on his bed, and he's crying, and he's he's just whining and throwing a fit. He's throwing a tantrum. And, and Jezebel sees that and asks him what's wrong. Ahab explains the situation to him. And, and Jezebel, seemingly without hesitation, creates this event in which Naboth thinks he's going to be honored, but she secretly has men who are going to lie about him and end up having him stoned and killed. And she does that without hesitation, and Ahab is then able to take his vineyard. And, and again, there is no, there is no, nothing given to us that indicates any remorse or any hesitation. I think she's proud in Absolutely. a lot of ways of what she's done. I, I agree with you 100%. She thinks she has, she's made her husband happy, and they now have what they want. And, and it just, it is so starkly sad to see how easy that comes to them. And there's a a phrase there in chapter 21, down in verse 25 and 26, that I thought was really, really telling. There was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord. There's just this this image of someone who has sold themselves into wickedness. He has just given himself into it entirely. And I think that is that summarizes the state of Ahab and Jezebel, I think, really well. That that they are completely owned by evil. And it, it dominates everything that they do, every interaction that they have. They are power hungry. 
They're willing to cross any boundary, any, any line that may be in their way. And it just shows how, how strong of a grasp Satan can get on people. Because yep. you look at this and you think, I mean, did they not at one moment think, you know what, maybe we should, maybe we should give this a second thought before we have this innocent man just murdered in the street? But that's the grip that Satan had on these people. And, and I think we would be foolish to think that he can't have that type of a grip on people today as well, as his influence today is as strong as it's ever been. People can absolutely just be sold into wickedness, where they have just given themselves over to it entirely. And it's a it's a sad reality that we have to watch out for. And I think sometimes we can perhaps try and dip our toe into that water a little bit, but it won't take long before we begin surrounding ourselves with people who think like that, putting ourselves in situations where, where those types of deceitful actions become easy to us. We can, we can lose ourselves to evil and wickedness much easier, I think, than we would like to think or believe that we could. It's something we have to be on, the guard, on guard against because Ahab clearly was someone who, as Scripture says, he had just sold himself to wickedness, and that's a really sad picture. Yeah, and it now was the life they were living. I mean, certainly in 1 Kings chapter 21, we're getting towards the end of their story. And, you know, going on a little bit about what we talked about last week with, with Pharaoh, and we used that that term hard heart, right, that yep. he had a hardened yep. heart. And in a lot of ways, this story of Ahab and Jezebel, certainly this story in 1 Kings chapter 21, where they are in no way bothered by what takes place here in First mm-hmm. Kings chapter twenty-one, they're not bothered by this in any way. This, this is the this is the life of someone who has maintained a hardened heart, right? Yep. It, it is the the end game for someone who has a hard heart but just doesn't do anything about it. it you get yourself so calloused mm-hmm. to. To, to goodness and morality and compassion and love yeah. for other people. You're so callous to that. It, it, this, is, this is where that leads to. And you're right. It, it's easy for us to say, well, I, I would never get there. I, I, would, I would never get to where they are, mm-hmm. they are here. Well, I, I don't think Jezebel started here. Right. I mean, or, or, but this is where they are. This yeah. is where they are yeah. because of the journey that they allowed themselves to go on. And so now this is the life that they live. These are the people that they surround themselves with. I mean, you made mention of, you know, what, what kind of people are they spending their time with? Well, even in this story of Naboth, I mean, Jezebel seems to have, again, the New King James uses the word scoundrels <laughs> on speed dial, right. right? I mean, she's like, I've got this big plan. I'm going to, you know, we'll set yeah. up this event and we'll have scoundrels mm-hmm. to sit next to him and, and they'll they'll do this for me. And, and it, it seems like she knows exactly who she's going to get, right? Yep. It's, you know, these two guys standing right here or yep. two, you know, two guys that I know, but this is the crowd that she operates in. And she's able to easily find two guys that will lie and deceit, full knowing that that lie and deception leads to someone being killed. Yeah. I don't think these scoundrels were bothered by that, no. you know, in any way. And, and and so here you are. And to your point, what a dangerous and foolish thing. For us to think, well, I would, I would never, I would never be there. I would never be so far away to get, you know, right there. Well, it, it takes that first step away from where God wants us to be, and that second step is easier than the first, and the yeah. third step is easier than the second, and the hundredth step is easier than the fiftieth. Yep. And, and now you can be a, a million steps away, like Ahab and Jezebel, 
but yet they don't have any they don't have any problems with that. Yeah, and you know that kind of leads us to what is a very unceremonious death for mm-hmm. both of these two individuals. Ahab is going to die in battle, and then it appears several years later Jezebel is going to die as well. But it is exactly in line with what God had said would happen with these two individuals. Ahab dies in battle, and then Jezebel is pushed off a wall and eaten by dogs, and it's very, very graphic in the way that it's described. But when you think about, you know, the king of Israel and the queen of Israel, the way that these two die is is very unceremonious and is not is not fitting for royalty, but it is fitting for someone who's conducted themselves in the way that these two have. And really, I think what was striking to me, I had read before in Second Kings chapter 10, you know, about Ahab's sons being killed. But I think when you look at the story as a whole, it really just goes to show the lasting impact that evil can have. And it really makes, makes me stop to think, okay, I, I'm certainly I, I hope and pray that I'm never anything like what Ahab is. But my actions are going to have impacts on my children, mm-hmm. and I want those. Imp- I want that impact to be a positive one. I want them to grow closer to God because of the type of person that I am, because of the type of husband that I am, and the type of father that I am. I want my children to grow closer to God as a result of that. And what we see in the story of Ahab and Jezebel is the exact opposite of that. He has wicked children who are punished as a result of both their wickedness as well as the decisions that their father and mother had made. And so you see this generational punishment that occurs because of the example that a father and mother have set for their children. And it just it wakes me up to the reality that every decision that I make, everything that I do, it, it can potentially have a lasting impact on my children and, and that really makes me think twice about the things that I do and how I conduct myself, how I behave. Certainly at the forefront of that should be my relationship with God, first and foremost. But then a, a, an important aspect of that as well is the influence that I have on my children. And I want to make sure that's a positive one. And so reading that account in Second Kings chapter 10 of Ahab's children being killed, that was really just kind of a bow on this entire ugly story as to the the detrimental impact that they can have on generations to come. Yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that you know this is a, the responsibility of a leader. We've got to be thinking about the people that we are leading, and mm-hmm. certainly as a parent, you know the, that most most definitely is the case. And you're right that you know that sad story there in Second Kings. It's almost reminiscent of. Saul, the very first king of Israel, where you know he, he you know he basically turns his back on God completely yeah. and, and tries to take God's place, you know, a lot of yeah. ways, and so he's told that you know because of that your 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 generate your family is going to pay the price mm-hmm. for this. Almost very similar, yeah. not exactly the same, but a very similar kind of light, where Ahab is so wicked and mm-hmm. so ungodly. You know, God is basically just saying, well, we can't have any of you around anymore. Yeah. I mean, we just simply can't. And now his whole family, his whole family pays the price uh, for that. Yep. We'll go ahead and stop there. Um, that was a, a good discussion about two individuals that uh, it's a sad story to read in a lot of ways. But I think even in those sad stories, there's a lot of good takeaways uh, for us today. So hopefully that was helpful to you all. And we thank you for joining us and listening 
today. Uh, We'll continue on next week as we continue our study through some of the Bible's most infamous villains.